Hello and welcome to episode 4 of Bootleg Magic with me, Nasri Atala and Ali Amuro. On today's episode, we're talking to an amazing actress, May Kalamawi, who you will know as Dina, the sister in the hit Hulu show Rami. Uh, we went through a lot of subjects, as you can imagine. Of course, what's been going on in the US over the past 10 days. We talked about the thematics of the show, about working with Mahershala Ali, about, you know, a million things. It's a really amazing conversation. We did let it run a bit longer than usual because honestly, we couldn't get enough of May and we think you as well will not be able to get enough of May. As usual, please do subscribe, do review us, do let friends know if you're enjoying the podcast. It helps others find us. And here's the show. Hope you enjoy it. All right. So, May, thank you so much for joining us today. I saw the record button go on and I thought I would put my presenter voice on. Thanks for having me. Yeah. How's it going in LA? I think we're all holding up. I have to say that when we drive and I see a lot of the peaceful protests, I get so happy. And yesterday I saw all these children and I was so proud and I was so happy for them. Like imagine, imagine growing up with that as being something that you're taught and something that you instinctively feel to do whenever you want to make a point and it's not destructive and it just brings a lot of people together especially now during Corona, seeing all these people, I have friends in New York and they're all gathering and protesting and it's such an incredible time for them. There's so much conversation about like, why now? Like how come, you know, obviously this has all been going on for so, so long and like, why now? And I genuinely think that it's something to do with like coronavirus as well, that like, we're kind of, you know, all staying at home to sort of for the greater good, like and save lives and stuff. And then there's police out there killing lives, like killing people with no regard. And it's almost that kind of um, that contrast, I think, where it's just like, oh, okay, like, wow, you really don't give a fuck. Yeah, our, our attention is like hyper focused on what's going on because we have that space and time as well, I would say. I think it also feels that, I mean, these things tend to come together like a, a health crisis or a financial crisis and then like a social crisis. Like they all tend to kind of like I think, you know, like Occupy Wall Street obviously happened like after the financial crash and then that led to other forms of protest. And I think you just realize that you can't just wait. I mean, again, like we keep saying this is like I think like it's uh, fair to point out like none of us are not the three of us aren't black. So like we also like kind of don't know that this happened. Like we kind of know at some level that it happens every day. But you know, we can block it out, I guess, because you just have to keep living life. And then something like this happens where it's just not okay to block it out. And everyone has to become hyper conscious. And I think like we're also been quite, everyone's been so anxious for three months around the health crisis. And so like mm -hmm. our nerves, our nerves are kind of like on the outside of our bodies. And so when something yeah, like this so happens, raw. yeah, it's so raw. And so when something happens like this, like the, the, the energy is there to be mobilized. And we've been working together the last three months. We've like, you've been saying about staying home. We've all been working together to protect everyone, to um, speak up and to celebrate the frontliners and to like to celebrate the EMT workers every day. You know, we go out at 8 p.m. and we, you know, we, we cheer for them. And 
with that community mindset, it sort of paved the way for us to, it's no shock, just like you're saying, that right now we're all in this together because we've been in this together for the last three months. So we can't ignore something else that comes up. So true, so true. And you know, I'm actually reading um, Ta-Nehisi Coates at the moment. Um, we were eight years in power, which is just absolutely brilliant. And there's a line in there that I that kind of really stood out to me when I was reading it today. And he was basically saying how, you know, it would take some kind of miracle for the sort of moral consciousness of people to sort of really band together and to to be able to put aside our, our, our privileges, essentially, to kind of really see the stark moral necessity. And I feel like that's what coronavirus has done. It's like that kind of thing that just came out of nowhere almost that maybe has done that. And, and you know, that's all that's what we can hope for, I suppose, in a way. I mean, it's happening. Yeah. By the way, should we? We, don't, we haven't said who you are, May. I'm, I'm, I'm just very conscious that we haven't like said this is May. This is what May does. We literally just dove into the deep end. Yeah, we went real deep, real quick. Okay, so if anyone doesn't know who May is, May Kalam Kalamawi. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Am I that's such a that's such a non-Arab thing? Is that, is that <laughs> am, I, am I getting the pronunciation right? Yeah. So, uh, so obviously, most of most people listening to this will know you as Dina Onrami. I guess is that fair? A fair assumption. Yeah, they're not going to know me otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> really? Okay, let's go. Let's start there. Why? What, what else have you done? I mean, obviously, no, I've been on your IMDb and I've kind of seen what you've done. But do you consider this like your first big role? Yeah, definitely. I started auditioning in 2017, like at the beginning of the year, or maybe a little like December 2016. And then I started booking work but they were all guest star or recurring roles where i felt like a glorified extra but not i'm not putting them down i love them and they were part of the learning process but i didn't i mean i and at that point i was grateful for whatever i got like if the camera just spun by me i was like oof, you know <laughs> i made it and um but again with those with those network shows a lot of times you're just a guest star and you're part of the story for that specific episode and that's that also in most of them i was wearing a hijab and desperately fighting uh the trauma of a situation whether it's a true story or not so it it, it was always very heavy i wanted to be something that was more rooted in someone that we can relate to on a daily basis and I think that's the power of Rami, isn't it? Is that it really does feel like for so many of us, it is that kind of first thing in mainstream English language TV that you're like, oh, that that actually kind of looks something like me. You know, that those experiences really do resonate with my life and, and you know, my friends' lives. And that's so powerful in itself. Um, how How did that come about? How did you kind of audition for Rami? How did that all happen? Six months before I auditioned for it, Leif, who plays Uncle Nassim, is one of my closest friends. We've known each other oh, for many years. I love that character. Anyway, go ahead, go ahead. I just needed, I needed to express my love. We'll get there. And, and he knew Rami 
we all went to the same acting school called William Esper Studio in New York. And he told me that Rami, that I needed to meet Rami. He was another Arab in the community and we always try to get to know each other. And he loosely mentioned Rami wanted to work on something, but I was so used to people talking about things that they wanted to work on, especially Arabs that never happened. Inshallah. Yeah, not their fault. Not that they were lazy, but just that they weren't always getting that sort of attention. And I ended up meeting Rami just to meet him. And he was really cool. It was fun. And we'd bump into each other a few more times after that. And then I found out about the audition. And he asked if I would audition for one of the roles. And I saw the breakdown and told him that I wasn't going to. And he wanted me to, he asked if I would audition, I think for the Noor character in the pilot, which is at the end there, which my friend Dina Shahabi killed and did so well. God, that was such a good, like, oh, that was Everything that was said was so powerful in that. And I told him that I wanted to audition for the sister. And I'm not normally that vocal about things. I don't push. I don't. I mean, it's something that I'm definitely trying to get better at. But I was assertive and I couldn't see myself doing anything else. And I, I, I was like, I need to get this. Like, I was, what was it about the sister role that you were like, yeah, give it to me? I just felt like I related to her, not not at that time. I knew her from years before. She was like a version, a, a younger version of me. And I, I really felt her pain. And I think if you look at her from a one dimensional space, she just looks like an irritated, aggressive, mean uh, sister who can be annoying. But there's so much more to that. And that just speaks to the layers and intricacies of women, especially from the Middle East, but women all over. You know, and we, we're not always outspoken about what we're going through. So I was very attracted to that. It's funny because you, like you say, it's your first kind of major role. But like when I watch you, I mean, I, did, um, I mean, I'll be honest, like before season one of Rami, like to watch season one of Rami, I like did a whole intricate kind of, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say this publicly, but like I found a way to get a Hulu account in London. <laughs> And 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 get a VPN because there was nowhere to watch it like at the time. Oh yeah, a lot of people have to do that. Everyone was like, "May I streamed it?" You know, no one. <laughs> You're like, "Thanks, thank you," but like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, whatever. I was like, "I'm glad you watched it." I paid for Hulu. Like, I found a very intricate way to pay for Hulu to watch it. Wow. But anyway, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm, I don't. I don't pirate. But you're but, part um, of the good group. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Because I, I so wanted to watch this. And so I'll, I'll admit, like, I knew Rami because I'd seen him on, uh, I think it was Colbert, or I think it's I'd seen his stand-up kind of uh, go viral. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then, so obviously, I you know, here my bus, uh, you know, uh, I'm in Wicked, like, you know, the the, the legends yeah. we know. Then, I, like, I didn't know you. And, and I was like, wait, I'm sure she's been in a million things before. Because it just felt so... Yeah, you do such a great job. Yeah, and it's and you embody the character so much that like it just felt like this is someone who has a lot behind them. And like and then when I did look you up, yeah, like you're it is your first major role, I guess, when I looked you up on your IMDB and like yeah, I found your obviously your your guest star roles and stuff, but but what is it about it that felt so cuz I guess for everyone I don't know, is it just the fact that it's 
it there's a familiarity to the is it almost too familiar i don't know like i keep thinking about this even when i'm watching it it's very familiar and i grew up in a similar dynamic i have an older brother but it's not similar in the same. We're, we're very different families and i also grew up in the middle east where she grew up here so in the middle east my brother would come home at 6am and i'd be cheering for him like there was no part of me that wanted to come home at that time because most of my friends had a reputation to abide by and we'd be home by 9pm so I was like what am i going to do outside alone right but in the states for dina she has friends who are going out and she is around and in the middle of a freedom that she's not able to live by which is frustrating for her um and but it's what's interesting is i felt a lot of that frustration even though it wasn't for the same things i'm even though like i'm older than where she's at i'm still grappling with this idea of how to take space as a woman and what does it even look like to be a woman i don't know I can't say that I there are many women that I look up to and I'm like oh if I want to be them I actually don't know if we've uh if we've really unlocked what it means to be a woman you know I mean and and that's just with my limited knowledge I'm I have a lot to read I have a lot of you know and I I just pray that I can call all of that knowledge in but yeah I'm I'm just as confused and I always say that in America there are all these stories about women who are coming of age at 14 or the ladybirds and and as an arab you can be 35 and still not have your coming of age moment and you can go on to your 40s and not really understand where that is and i find myself discovering that right now and in many ways i get mad because i feel like i'm in so many ways still premature and it's you know we i grew up in a mentality where i like at 12 my goal was to get married and i always wanted to be an actor that's not that was not new that was like since i was 5 i wanted to be an actor but really it was about hunkering down with a man and and finding that husband and uh i tell people like i didn't really learn how to budget there are all these things i just didn't know how to do i thought that i was going to marry and the guy was going to take care of those things he's going to take care of that stuff yeah I'm literally yes. nodding so much that my head might fall off. I'm literally <laughs> just like, yes, yes, yes. Oh, you get so. it. And we're not the only ones who've dealt with this. By the time I turned thirty, I was like, oh shit, I'm gonna have to do this for myself because. Um, and in the beginning, there was resistance. It was like, I just haven't found the guy. What do I do? And then I reached a point where I was like, wait, I I want to be independent. That doesn't mean I don't want to find a partner if the partner comes along, but I want I I have to do this. for myself and then at that point it's where i realize all the other places that i have not grown in and then you know especially as an arab woman we're taught how to look like it's such an outward um we're we're so focused on how we look and at 16 where we look like women we look like we understand the world but we're and not supposed 30, to like be sexual though and like don't have a guy look at you though but like just be really fucking hot and like good to look at but like don't do anything with that though i mean yeah <laughs> i don't know who listened to that but yeah <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i yeah, i definitely i agree no i i you know definitely wanted to hold up to a lot of those standards Uh, and then I think one day I was just like, "What am I doing? Do I want to be with 
someone who has those kinds of perspectives about women and where I mean once my mom got mad at me for wearing a tampon and I was just I don't know if I can say that here I mean whatever you can but say I was, whatever you I was want like, mom, I, I realized I was like I don't want to be with someone who's mad and threatened by a cotton like I don't and I can't and I won't and if that means I'm going to be alone then I'll be alone and Khalas like I think once she was like, you're just not going to be with an Arab. And I was like, fine. Like, it's really fine for me. It's know? like, that's such, such a disaster, right? Like that's, but I think, and I, you know, I talk about this all the time because I feel like it is, you know, haram. like obviously our parents want good things for us. You know, it's not out of a place of like, you know, anything bad. It's yeah. just that that's what they think it looks like to have a good life. That's what they think it means for us to be happy and secure, right? So they want us to do everything that we can to have that, basically. Um, and I think that that's almost the, the biggest thing. And it goes back to you saying, you know, I didn't know, I didn't see examples of myself, you know, none of us did. And I think that the more, hopefully the more we have, the more we're able to kind of feel like we can be ourselves and that there are many different versions of what it means to have a good life. Um, and so also for our parents to sort of be able to relax with that and not feel like if you do this, then that means that you won't have a husband, which is a disaster, because then that means that your life is going to be shit. It's really limiting. And I think there's a fine line between understanding, respecting your parents, which is something that I really appreciate in the Arab culture versus wanting their approval, because a lot of people and there's because a lot of people are like I want this I want to do this thing but my parents don't want me to but I still have to be good to my parents because they raised me and and I understand that and however I think it needs to be challenged and there's a way of getting what you want without disrespecting them but it's rather setting a boundary and I had this talk with a friend and I was looking at all the places where I was like, where I realized I had just been trying to get my dad's approval and she's like but I think that's beautiful and I was like okay, it's beautiful. But had I focused on getting his approval, I wouldn't be where I am right now. I wouldn't have challenged him. I wouldn't have left to New York at 28 when every single one of my friends was getting married to pursue my dream in acting, something that has no, um, it's a risk. There's no guarantee in what I went to do. And I proved my dad wrong. And I didn't do it in a disrespectful way. I it was like constantly like coercion and convincing him. And I mean, I got a job immediately. I wasn't just lost and uh, asking him for money or, or you know, um, there was a plan behind it, of course. And I surprised myself. And it's just sad that I surprised myself. Like, why didn't I think that I had that in me? It's because I thought that there was only one deep down, like on some very deep rooted level, that there was just one thing that I could do. And maybe that I couldn't pursue something even without that one thing. But again, it's about challenging that approval part. And don't don't mistake in that with a disrespect, because we need to help our parents grow as well. Yes. Uh... It's so interesting that you br brought up that notion of... Um like this kind of late coming of age. Cause I even think like Rami's character on the show also, cause my first reaction watching it was he's a bit old to be thinking about these things. Like you think about these when you're 18, then I realized like, hang on, I thought about these things when I was that like hitting mm. that age. And we were just so conditioned to see coming of age. Like you said, you mentioned Lady Bird or whatever. We're, we're meant to see coming of age through a Western prism of when that happens. 
Whereas it ha- does happen in a delayed way because of our proximity to our parents and to like a wider community, etc. We're kind of treated as teenagers like a bit into adulthood, even by our yeah. parents. And, and we treat ourselves as teenagers and still like not quite responsible. And <clears throat> and I think, so actually this brings me, because I've this, this, this has come up with me in conversations uh, with people also like realizing that, for example, my relationship to, like I used to be embarrassed that I called my parents every day because to my i grew up in england and to my british part of my brain it was like what a loser like why are you calling your parents every day you should be independent but then the arab part of my brain is they've done everything for me like i want to be there for them every minute of the day if they need me you know mm-hmm. and and i realized that this extends to my relationship to money to my relationship to friendship to friendships etc and so i want to get straight like because i google obviously like was researching you um and so okay egyptian father palestinian mother Born in Bahrain, Wikipedia says you're Bahraini, which is that correct? By the way, no. And I've asked, I've asked for that to be changed. I get people asking or being like, I'm from Bahrain too. Like I'm Bahraini. I can't believe you're Bahraini. All this stuff. And I'm like, whoa, 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 wait. <laughs> it's funny. And I, um, I love, I love the Middle East. I love everything about it. But when you're from the Levant and you grow up in the Khalij, you're never going to feel Khaliji. At least I never did. And it's uh, there is a divide there. Um, and, and I say that again, I, in Bahrain, I had the best experience with local people there. My best friends were local. I was always with them. I have experienced in other areas of the Khalij where it's not that integrated. And um, it never really bothered me because it was like at an older age. But um, I still don't consider myself Bahraini. I never got the citizenship um i just don't relate in that way i'm very proud of where i'm from it's funny in in the states when people are like where are you from they say the state that they're living in or where they you know but for me where are you from is where is where is my ancestry you know where is my dad from where is my mom from and in a way that contributes to this like loss of identity almost that we when we grow up as these like what is it like third uh third culture kids. kids third culture kids yeah you where you're from has nothing to do with where you were born and raised you're almost where i'm from is like a it's like the knowledge that i have in my head of of my culture almost or or what i hold on to of it um but it says it says you grew up did you grew up in houston is that right i spent i spent two to three years in Houston and three years in Doha, Qatar, before I was 12. And the rest was all Bahrain. Okay. Wow, you moved around a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it was a lot. I, I, I definitely had effect and an effect on me. I was really loud and, 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 and not shy as a child. And then suddenly, as I started getting older to 9, 10, 11, I became so shy. And a lot of it happened when I moved to the States and when I was 10 and obviously felt very different from everyone there. And and that's something I think we can all relate to. And I even see it in Dina. And there is, like, it's undeniable how, uh, important or popular the white aesthetic is and um we we start to feel that like we're taught um that love is how someone outside of us views us and if we 
and that a way to get that love is through how we look. And I'm so curious where that's instilled in us. I think a lot of it comes back to colonialism as well. And the fact that a lot of our countries were colonized essentially by these white people who, you know, my grandfather was telling me, so in Egypt, obviously it was colonized by the British for a long time. And there's this Nedi, like the club basically, which he's so proud of. And we've actually just stopped our memberships because we literally never go. And he's shocked that we've allowed our memberships to lapse because for him, it's like the pinnacle because his dad, I believe, I think his dad was one of the first Egyptians who was allowed to go into the club and to get a membership because it was just for British people and Egyptians were not allowed into their own spaces, you know, and that happens so often. And it's, so they kind of spent their time in a way sort of half sort of, you know, disliking them and being like, you've colonized my country and half really wanting them to approve and really wanting them to kind of acknowledge them as important enough and to welcome them in. And I think it's something that, you know, still lasts until this day. And again, you know, particularly important to think about in in light of everything that's happening this week and Black Lives Matter Mm -hmm. is I think for us, all of us, and I've been really trying to have these conversations with my families and family and friends and all of this stuff to just think, okay, how, what are the ways in which we've also you know, absorbed all of this messages that white is best and how are we contributing essentially to these structures which end up with people dying, you know, to, to say the least. Yeah, I mean, I was having a conversation with a friend who's who's kind of very extremely well-meaning white person who uh, is French and is trying to educate themselves and, you know, read as much as possible and listen, which is all great. And she was telling me like, you know, it's crazy. And she felt so bad about how, you know, that she had some biases herself and stuff. And I was telling her, but, you know, these biases aren't your fault in a lot of ways. Like, uh, mm-hmm. th- you're talking decades, like you're 35. You've had 35 years of of brainwashing by the media. You've been given all this bad messaging. I told her, and like, I'm Arab, and I, I hated myself on some level because of all the messaging around Arabs that I had to kind of rediscover my culture as recently as yeah. five five years ago and see what was beautiful about my culture and that I had learned to kind of be ashamed of or, or kind of put to a side and kind of ignore and realize, no, that's my strength that I come from this and to really kind of dig deep into that. And it's so even like within your own community, you have to relearn like not to be ashamed of yourself. And obviously there's the whole conversation, which I know like Alia wanted to talk about, which comes up in the show, which is the kind of even racism, like people don't realize, like white people don't realize that there's racism amongst people of color uh, and mm-hmm. even within specific communities. And I think there's some interesting points in the show, especially with uh, Mahershala's character, which we have to talk well, about. Well, yeah, it's really way. interesting that it's like the black sheikh who's teaching Rami at the end of the day, right? Because Arabs feel like they have some sort of claim over the religion because of uh, the, uh, the language, you know? But, but that's why everything is so based in what you see. It's like an optical world. Like Muslim, you think a brown person with an imam with a beard or a woman in a headscarf. Why are they the people who are representing for us? You know, and so that's what I love about the show is having Mahershala as the sheikh. And um, I, love I love how... The, whoa, 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 whoa. 
I love I love when you first see him at the I think it's at the hospital and like you go like your sheikh is hot and I was like I was like yes he is that's what that's what we're all thinking <laughs> it was yeah he's he's a beautiful man um what's he like he just, like in real life I saw you I saw an interview that you gave where you were saying how he was like asking you about some of the Arabic pronunciations and stuff oh my gosh he's so humble and sweet and kind and like he sat the first time I met him he sat next to me at the in hair and makeup trailer and introduced himself of course to everyone and was like how do you pronounce this and it was a word or a line from the Quran and it's just like anything he needed. Like if we were doing a take and he needed to redo the scene or like stumbled on a line, I feel like we were all like, what do you need? <laughs> You're good. We, we like forgot ourselves and we're in the scene. It's, it was hilarious. But he just introduced himself to everyone. And it was such a, he was such a teacher to me. And I told him he was so generous and once Rami and I, I always say the story, we were, we had to shoot the, like the close up of that scene where I tell him that his sheikh is hot and I had to look over and they're like, okay, can you just look at the camera point here? This will be where the sheikh is standing. And Mahershala wasn't even in the room and he ran in because he heard it. And he's like, do you need me to stand there? And of course, oh, Rami's wow. like, she's never going to tell you no. Because so, <laughs> <laughs> initially I, I was trying to play that. Don't worry about it kind of thing and then Rami said that and so I was like okay fine yes stand there and I didn't even see him I saw the top of his head but he's so sweet you don't always you don't come across that I've heard nightmare stories where people just want a stand-in when it's the close-up and they're like yeah. okay the camera's not even gonna be on me but I guess even the way he kind of came about in being into in the show, like he's the I, I believe that he's reached out and said that he loved the first season and stuff. So I guess even in that way, it's kind of like, you know, and I feel like that's the vibe on, on Rami from from what I see and understand is I feel like it is just kind of, you know, being part of this greater thing and 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 sort of telling these stories that are needed to be told and, and the kind of excitement of everyone involved to do that. It's really great. It's really a lot of fun. And I, I re pray that it opens doors. A lot of people sometimes share how this isn't their story or this isn't every Arab story. And I tell them this is called Rami. But also, don't get so hung up on how you don't feel represented in every single light. Let this be a push for you to tell your story. Don't just look for one person to do it. Look how many stories there are about a similar love story in, in, in Hollywood you know, regarding white people. Why can't we have that? Yeah. And I mean, like at the same, you know, because I, I, I was mentioning this in an interview the other day, like there's this double burden of representation, which on the one hand is to non-Arab audiences, you have to give them kind of what they expect of you as an Arab and like something that's even to like a liberal audience, you have to give them something that challenges them a bit, but not too much so they can feel good about themselves for watching it. And, you know, and then on the other side, you have the burden of representation with an impossibly large, diverse Arab community in the Arab world and in the diaspora and whatever. And you have they have to see themselves in it. So there's no pleasing. And I saw like Rami put out a statement like even before, I think after the trailer dropped or something before the show even came out addressing that saying 
you know, like this show is literally about me. It's about, it's my show. You know, you go make your own story. I can't do everything yeah. for everyone. And I, and I just think it's such a shame that we're still at that stage where we're doing that to ourselves. Like our own communities are telling us because we should be realizing that actually the real moment of success is when a story just lives as a story and has no burden of representation on it. You know, that's when mm. we've made, made it far enough that uh, it's just a story. Oh, it's an amazing show. It's a great love story. It's a great coming of age story. Not like, oh, this, I saw myself. I mean, it's obviously amazing. Like, I'm so happy to see myself. And I, all this Arab talent on screen, like when Mohammed pops up, when and, uh, everything, like every time someone pops up in the scene with the Ayn, with when, when Randa Jarrar pops up, I was like, what the fuck? How Randa Jarrar's in this? Like, I lost my mind. You know her? Uh, yeah i mean we're like twitter buddies like we're just you know we we chat on twitter and so and, great. and when i saw her i was like this is perfect cameo like this is the perfect cameo this is so good she's perfect for that role <laughs> yeah and i mean it is beautiful to see everyone at the field represented but also like i think we need to stop putting this pressure on individual like this happens in the uk with someone like riz ahmed who you know mm-hmm. like the whole south asian community has to see themselves in everything he does and if he doesn't do it exactly right. There's backlash, which is that's not how anyone, not you know, non like who's white experiences filmmaking. You know, but you know, and, I I inter so I interviewed Rami a couple of days ago um, for a piece for Shondaland, and he so we had this conversation, and he basically said. And it's so true because I know that I definitely felt this a lot with my book as well. But he was basically saying it's not even a burden of representation on me as like the writer or whatever. It's actually haram the audience that they're basically like, oh, here's your one Muslim show. And so you're kind of like, oh, I've been waiting my whole life to see myself. And then you turn it on. And when you don't see yourself, of course, it is disappointing. But like you guys said, let's. I hope that it really does just kind of make everyone you know, it's, if you see that this is possible and that a show like this is, is able to be made, then hopefully that will kind of give people the encouragement to create their own shows and to tell their own stories, because obviously no one story is going to be exactly what it is for every single person. And I know that like May, obviously there is some and we spoke about this a little bit when we saw each other in L.A., um, but your episode is kind of inspired a bit by something that actually you know, it happens in, happened in your life with the alopecia. And I've had alopecia a couple of times as well. So I totally know um, how that feels. But what was that like to kind of use your your life experiences in, in your episode? Was it super nerve wracking? Like, how, how did that all feel? Yeah, it was really nerve wracking. I never thought that I would hear someone say, okay, we're gonna uh, put a mark here. And then we're gonna zoom in on the bald spot. And then uh, you know, like talk about my alopecia, like it's a character on the show <laughs> with no emotion attached. That was a really weird moment for me because Rami and I, I'd been trying to keep it like hide it for the whole duration of filming. And I was going through so much anxiety about it, which is a whole other story that it's funny because I dealt with that. And I feel Dina deals with that as well as someone who wants to go into social justice is you can um, fight your mom on misgendering someone and you're the righteous one and then your hair is falling out and suddenly you care about that you care about that vanity and and there's like a level of self-deprecation in that even with myself where I pride myself on uh, doing the inner work and really seeing what's important and then I'm like I still care about how I look and and it's it's just it's 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 another topic but 
I had been trying to hide it and then Rami found out I think through a mutual friend of ours because he'd been I I was upset about it and he was tuning into that and he's very intuitive which I appreciate about him and he kept asking me and I was always like no no I'm fine and I guess for me it was more if I have alopecia I'm stressed what am I stressed about because it happened at a time when I was fine and doctors say can and something did happen to me at the beginning of the year and I wasn't piecing it together um but I was also focused on on like oh I'm shooting season two and and my career is starting and now I have this bald spot on my head and I was it was like oh woe is me sort of and then he approached me about doing it and I, I just felt sick I just didn't want to do it at all and, and and he's like no this is good this is good if that's how you're feeling then we have to do it and I was like okay okay fine 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 and and I sat with it and it took me a couple of days and then I reached a point where I was proud to do it I was like, why am I trying to put out this part of me that's uh, a, a good side or a perfect side or hide what's ugly or what is ugly even? And why? Because don't I want to connect with people? And that's when it really clicked with me, the power of using stories to transform. Not only like I transform myself, my healing hasn't come from putting it out there it's come from the messages i got from people who've experienced the same thing that i'm like oh cool we're in this together i didn't show it because i was healed from it i wasn't healed from it and after filming it we had a week to film it and it was back to back to back to back and it was fine but there was a moment when i completely broke down and i didn't expect it at all um and it's funny because I didn't even know how to ask for help. And my, my friends make fun of me because I messaged one of my best friends from the trailer as I was crying. And I wrote, hi. And she's like, yo. I'm like, what are you doing? And she sent me like some artwork she was working on. And then I was like, cool. And I just put it down. And I was like, she's busy. And I was crying. But I didn't even know how to ask her. Like, I'm going through this. And then I, and then I'm. Reached, I was talking to I'd been talking to Rami's sister and I to, I eventually told her like it's really weird I'm really emotional right now I don't know what to do and ended up crying and hair and makeup and and then and then I was fine and then later Rami I think his sister had told him or something because he sat with me and was talking to me about everything and he put a lot into perspective for me he was just like this is how I feel with so much of the show I I go home and I just break down about something that I put out there and I'd never experienced acting in that way because normally it's what I was given a, a script I was given that I just like you know delivered and this time I was almost part of the creative directing process where we used my personal story something I was always ashamed of it happened to me when I was younger um, at the height of my superficial you know perspective on life and um, it, it just it, it was very strange also to like work with him on it and then film it and then see it done it's like oh it's that easy it's that fast there isn't some deeper process that the writing has to go through or whatever i guess i, I mean i was gonna say like the the last bit of the process is what happens when like we watch it i mean i feel that that's the last bit of the process which is because i was watching it going Oh, this is a really interesting storyline and I didn't think this is where this was going to go because I kind of know from season one that Rami seems, I mean, I, I've never met him or talked to him, but I, I, he seems to me like the kind of person who's 
kind of generous in leaving a lot of room for other people and other characters in the show. And so I knew there was going to be probably standalone episodes for the mother, the father, for you. Um, and and I didn't know what it was going to be because I guess in the first season it was like kind of the douchebag MFA guy, uh, <laughs> Kyle. Uh, yeah. And so, and so I didn't know what it was going to be here. And then when I saw it, I was like, this is, I've never thought about this ever. So just the, it made me, and it made me look up like the condition. It made me look up. Yeah, and then I saw, I actually read like what Ali, I found out that it was something that it, that had happened to you. And that made it so much more interesting. And another layer was added. So I guess like that's where that final layer happens is when people are kind of consuming it or interacting with it. It adds a whole other dimension to it as well. Yeah, no, you're right. And and people have re- like men have reached out to me and <laughs> telling me how like their hair is thinning and they don't know what to do. Aww. Or, you know, a guy reached out and was like, oh, my sister and mom also went through that. And it, it it's just not spoken about. It's not the biggest problem to have. It's in a way a first world problem. And I say that with the way I had it, because some people lose all the hair on their head. You know, this is like that's a completely different story. But. Um, I mean, my hair was covering the spot. It's not like I was walking around with it. But my goal is to get to a place that if it is in the front of my head, if you know that happens, to just be like, yeah, this is what I'm going through. But the more we talk about it, the more people aren't going to just be like trying to like avoid looking at it and, you know, like making it an awkward situation. It's just education. And even even with a topic like alopecia, um, Hair is the first place that your body is going to be like, let's ditch it if, if you're stressed out. You know, it's like not important to your body. And yet we give it so much importance. Well, it almost feels like a failure, doesn't it? Like I remember when I, so I had it twice and both times I felt like a failure. Like it was, and, and I think it was part of the, the sort of what you were talking about as well of like, how can I, why am I placing so much importance on this? But then at the same time, as women, we are, again, it goes back to what you were saying of we're supposed to be nice to look at and we're supposed to be all of these things. So like, what, I've lost my hair. Like, what does that mean for me then? You know, and I think it is. Yeah. (sighs) But also growing up where we grow up, like Arab women are so beautiful. (laughs) And it's it's not, they're born beautiful, but also how they take care of themselves, how they hold themselves. My mom was crying every day. She was like, this is a disaster. She would come and like rub like stuff in my hair to make it grow back. Like she would, I wasn't living with her and she would literally come over and like come with me to this hair loss clinic and like massage stuff into my bald spot to like try and make it come back. And she was just like, this is a disaster. Like and what? I your mom was more affected by it. Yeah, I know. Oh my less God. Less hair, less hair. Oh my gosh. I had to name my spot. I named her Margot after Margot <laughs> Robbie because I was like, I need to love her. And I find Margot stunning. So oh sorry, Margot. But yeah, so then that just became, even in hair and makeup, they'd be like, so then Margot, blah, blah, blah. And I just laugh. I love no that. Way. That's amazing. Wait, so has Margot grown back now? So in January, I I got her in August. That's when I noticed her. And then she's my friend. And then in January, I put steroids, which I'd never done before. I never knew that you could do that. I went to a germ. I Here's the thing. When I was 22 and I got it, I went on all these forums and I tried to do research. And it was so limited. And a lot of people were saying how it never grew back and horror stories and at that point I had it all over like many spots on my head and I was just 
couldn't imagine living like that. And then, and my mom was um, battling cancer at the time. And when she passed away, it all grew back. It's, it's just like, I had nothing to fight anymore. I was not in control. And, um, you know, it makes you face yourself and what you're doing and, and where you're, how you're stressing out about things, how you need to surrender and let go easier said than done in Dubai. No one knew what to do with it. And we'd go to doctors and they would, they were so confused and eventually I, I, I went crazy. I was like, mom, I need to get an MRI. I need to check if I'm epileptic. I need to, whatever is my body mimicking yours? Why is my hair falling? And then, you know, you stress about the hair falling and that exacerbates it. So it's just a cycle and it, it's, it's a lack of education because this time when it happened, I was aware, I was like, Ooh, I need to not stress. I need to do what I can. Now I have my healers that I go to, but I was avoiding doctors like allopathic medicine. I was just like, no, no, no. They don't know how to help me. And one of my best friends was like, stop it. Like go like do both. Always do both. Don't just stick to one like Eastern medicine, do the Western medicine. And that has been a huge lesson for me this year is I'm, I can be very rooted in like, oh, spirituality and all this sort of stuff, but rooted in the grounded stuff as well. You need to also educate yourself and um, learn the also the literal side of things. And um, and so I went to the derm and she injected the steroids and I did January and February. So two rounds and then like a month and a half later, it all grew back. There's a small, there's a small part left, which I should probably go get injected, but I just, whatever, Corona and, and let her be. Um, but it's crazy how the hair grew back like three inches also immediately. It's not wow. like, um, yeah. Uh, so that was, uh, and, and the goal is to not have to use steroids, right? It's to be, it's to question why. So my nervous system, when I'm in fight or flight, attacks my hair. What can I do to maintain, uh, mm. you know, a level of neutrality always? And that's difficult because we're human. We're not monks and we're dealing with, you know, everyday life. But it was an, it was a call for me to, um, get therapy guys we're gonna have to take a pause that's fine as... what is that? i don't the know doorbell? why my dad has these clocks no it's just like grandfather clock in here that we've had since <laughs> i was a kid and <laughs> moved around with us that's amazing it always happens it's quite nice to make you pause and, and appreciate the passage of time Oh, wow. I mean, is, is it going right. to ring 11 times? <laughs> it, it did it, and we're done, and we can move on. <laughs> we're, keep, we're keeping that in, by the way. What? We're keeping that in. We're keeping the cuckoo clock. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Wait, so tell, tell us then about how, because um, I'm super curious about, like, Ayn and all of that, and, like, oh, all of yeah. that spirituality aspect. Like, how did that, I suppose, make its way into the episode I remember when I was younger, I saw this guy, this like seer or I don't know what, and I had such a bad vibe from him and I wish I never went to him, but he was just telling me, he looked at me and was like, oh yeah, um, you need to tie your hair up or something. And I was like, why? And he's like, cause you get, you get evil eye from people and it affects your hair. And at the time I was like, <gasps> because what? it was after my alopecia had grown, like my hair was fine. And so the fact that he had said that, I was like, this is creepy. This is so creepy. And I told Rami about that. Oh, my God. And 
and and there i think that i do struggle with that idea there's this there's one line of thought that tain is about the power that you give it and then there's another line that it just is there and it's ever present and i'm i feel like i enjoy keeping a more private position on instagram more because no one needs to know the details of my life but also i'm just you know we we grow up in that space where it's like don't show off don't mm. uh don't try to i don't want people to want what i have you know and just, and so we ended up sort of using that in the episode and even one of the writers told me that she her mom when she was younger if there were nail clippings or hair her mom would get mad at her if she didn't throw it in the in the down the toilet and in the garbage if she threw it in the garbage because that can be used for sorcery oh wow Oh wow. I know it's just like there's so many superstitions. But is this linked to iron as well? The clippings and stuff is a uh, linked to iron? In a way, I suppose, cuz someone would have to be jealous of you or something to want to do some sort of Yeah, 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 like why take Why my would nails? you do that? My like my by the way, my editorial brain just switched on and I'm like we're just chatting about iron, like everyone knows what iron is. And so I think oh, it's yeah. worth <laughs> it's worth translating that iron is basically like the... you won't even be able to like to, to say it probably. You can't I even mean, google it. You can't even google that. How do you spell that shit? <laughs> just the, the, the evil eye. It's the or hasad as you would say in, in Arabic. The idea I suppose that if you um look at something or someone and and you want what want what they have and it can happen from a place of you, you can do it to someone you love everyone is capable of doing it it's more about where you are you know um in that time and space i heard something that there's basically two like lots of people right so there's one group of people who believe that like the amount of joy and happiness and good things in the world are infinite and then there's another group like there's the other side who basically believe that there's a limited amount so if you have something that's less for me and apparently that's a lot where about where ayn comes from which is quite mm-hmm. interesting and we're raised that way a lot of times in the middle east especially as women like if she looks better than you she's going to get the guy mm-hmm. this is that usually about the guy i would say I've never right but it's like it's but. like it's like functioning from a position of lack and it's actually something that i try so much in my life like every day i have this gratitude diary that i write in first thing in the morning and it asks like an affirmation so like i set an affirmation every day and you know right now because of corona i feel like this is not the quite the appropriate word to use but usually i'm like i live in you know i'm part of an abundant universe and like anything mm-hmm. but i'm like i don't want to like you know conjure any abundance right now in 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 that sense in terms of like viral stuff anyway that was how my brain you know, works it's hard uh, because you know you want to live you, you want to i did this podcast once and i was talking about my experience and you know with my mom's death and life and how i uh like to veer towards a positive outlook on things not as a way to brainwash myself but i'm alhamdulillah more geared towards that i um and it's just it offers me more peace and then someone started bringing up palestine and how in the comments and how not everyone has like that's a privilege and that's a luxury and i understand that it can be looked at that way but i also think that it's about i mean pain is pain 
you know, and it's relative to the amount to where you are and the amount that you're experiencing, but it's still um, a choice, I believe. And I understand fully when people are like, don't, what, what do you mean God? You know, I, like some people in Palestine are like, I prayed every day for God. And it's during Ramadan when I saw the most children get killed. And sometimes you're like, how do I even respond to that? But I believe that that closed heart only brings more pain. And it's probably easier said, you know, but um, it's just, it's all perspective. And we can only speak from where we're at and our experiences. And that's another place to just look at yourself. Look outside of you for inspiration. Um, don't try to always look outside of you to, to just like shoot someone down. There's this like cancel culture that's so strong right now. Mm. It's interesting you bring that up because like obviously the events of the past, I mean, <laughs> centuries, but like the past 10 days specifically, um, I've seen more, I've seen a lot of gentleness, I think, amongst people in terms of, I think a lot of people have been, trying to get each other to educate themselves and i've actually seen i think almost like less of a cancel culture response to people who are trying to do the right thing by learning or whatever obviously we're canceling thank god like, we're canceling the police etc you know we're canceling uh things yeah, like yeah. that but but i've seen this kind of hand holding and some people saying you know um Some people are educating themselves. Some people are in the streets. Some people are donating. Some people, you know, be be kind to everyone who's going in the same direction as you. And I, I just don't feel like I've seen that in a very long time. I feel like I've just yeah. seen all this shouting down. I even saw someone, I mean, this is like quite, I mean, uh, like terrible, like a, a Lebanese singer called Tanya Saleh shared a photo of herself in, essentially she'd photoshopped herself with an Afro and essentially blackface. Okay. But like quote unquote she was being well-meaning i.e she was saying i wish i was black today more than ever to support black people and okay diff different i know i know where was this she's uh she's a lebanese kind of indie singer in lebanon she's yeah based in lebanon um i'm like i i'm like physically my it's i know cringing. i don't know what like, to do but you can tell like you can like hard on but, like met well obviously but wait yes, but wait hang yes, on, hang on. Yes. like what what happened is so i went to the comments obviously because i'm like a masochistic so i went to the comments to see what was going on and i actually found like a lot of um kind of patience in the comments like people were telling you like tanya we love you please this is wrong please read up about blackface this is this is why it's wrong Uh, and, uh, you know, a lot of love in the comments telling her, obviously there was a few. Oh, like, I her, love that. Yeah, I mean, well, uh, the flip side is she chose to like stand her ground and not take it down and say that she didn't oh. mean anything, she didn't mean anything wrong by it. So she doesn't want to take it down, which, which is a shame because people did like they were, no one canceled yeah. her immediately. It was very, it was kind of the perfect response you'd want to see was like the perfect end to that story would have been, she reads all of that, takes it down, says, I've learned something today. Thank you everyone who for being so, you know patient with me and educating me even though it's not your job to educate me like i would have loved to see that as a response sadly that wasn't the response i haven't followed the story i don't mm. know what happened after. oh my god But, i want to know i want to look her up <laughs> yeah. is that photo yeah. still up i think yeah i think it's still up but then i just took a break from social media for a few days just to like breathe But I feel like that's the whole point, right? It's like you the whole point right now is to sort of not center yourself, to pay attention to what people are telling you, to really take exactly. on board 
you know, feedback and constructive criticism and to really fucking look at yourself and think about why the hell you have, you know, we all, again, like we were saying, have these prejudices. What are you going to do to unpick them? What, you know, what are you going to do about that? And it's not about, you know, that's really disappointing because it's not about being like, well, I was right. Like, that's not, a, you missed the whole point, Holmes. Like, yeah, I mean, and I think, you know, more and more people are getting that. I, I was really like, w my heart was warmed by the comments being, you know, hand-holding and, and loving at first. Obviously, then it turned because she refused to take it down. So then it got a bit more, uh, more like standard internet comment section uh, type of level. But um, yeah. By the way, uh, May, I read about, uh, I was reading your, there was an interview in InStyle magazine. Mm -hmm. uh, and you said something in there about the fact that uh, making the show made you realize what you wanted to work on but it didn't go it didn't go further than that and i i wonder what that meant i'm wondering if i was saying it more from a broader perspective of having this experience telling the story has shown me where i want to go with my art and having people reach out to me talking about how they want more of Dina or they want more of a woman's perspective and some people get annoyed and they're like oh it's misrepresented and for me, that's just encouragement. That's just showing me where people, um, what people want and that there is a demand and uh, has inspired me to move in that direction of, of creation and wanting to share, um, yeah, my, my, uh, my story or not necessarily May's story, but I guess my perspective on things and there. There is something that I'm working on, uh, but it's in such early days that it doesn't even, I don't even want to talk about it yet. Lion, but, lion. Uh, you want to keep Diane away. Lion. <laughs> Everyone knock on wood right now. Imagine. But, I'm knocking. Yeah. No, no, it's, it's, it's more just that it's um, like just dating, I guess. And I'm, but I'm excited how this has opened this door, but I mean, not only for me, I, I have many friends now who are working on their own projects and it's just very exciting. It's a very exciting time. And also seeing how um, much now the, the fun of coming from a place where you, the things you want to hide in yourself, especially as a woman, it's easier for men to be messy. It's not as easy for women to make mistakes and be messy. And that's sort of the place that I want to uh show up from yeah it's those places where i've said what i thought even if they were wrong and i was emotionally unstable in those moments it's those areas that i've grown in the most because i've brought them out to light and that's why i get sad when people um share where they're genuinely at and someone attacks them rather than what you're saying just like lightly uh educates them because I, I like to think that then they're going to grow. Whereas yeah. if you attack them, they're going to try to defend themselves and they might not hear the lesson, but it's just showing where we're at. And this is something about the show is I really think we're airing out a lot of the dirty laundry and yeah. when, when, you know, in, in the Arab world, which is very relevant and um, we're, we're delivering this mirror to really, have people think about how they want to show up and when people get upset 
about how religion is portrayed or just the story or any part of it. I'm just, I'm so curious because these are things that are happening. Yeah. Mm. So what are you actually upset about? Yeah. You just want to hide it? Is that it? Why do you want to hide it? Why are you ashamed? Confront that. But so much of it comes back to Aib, doesn't it? Like, it's all about shame. Like, hide your sins. Like, don't show this. You know, like, our laundry is supposed to be clean and it's supposed to be inside the cupboard. Like, And that's why we need to show it because we need to, like, figure out what is actually dirty laundry mm -hmm. and what's just, that's just a construct put on, you know? And then maybe also showing stuff, we're bringing stuff out is going to help clean it <laughs> yeah no i think a lot of the time we make decisions out of a place of fear or uncertainty or 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 you know as opposed to like kind of an informed position that's not in opposition to something like i know that you know growing up i had a lot of friends who some some who had very 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 strict parents and were you know didn't have keys to their house and weren't supposed to go out and all of that and, you know, it was always them who were the drunkest. Like, it was always them that I had to literally scoop up off the floor, basically. Whereas, like, my dad gave me sips of Heineken when I was 12. I was never the one. Okay, I did get drunk quite, you know, I have I have my fair share of fun. But it was never to, to the extent of, like, because I'm not allowed, you know. And I think that looks very different. It's escapism, you know. Like, some people have that real desperate need to escape. And some don't. And then and then we all sort of do in some way. And it's where how we choose to do it. And for some, it's more destructive. One of the episodes I love, um, which you play a big part in, is the 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 Mesa standalone. So oh, yeah. here I'm at best. She's she's getting her citizenship um, and, and she doesn't want to run into trouble. And obviously she runs into trouble. And part of it is around this misgendering uh, of a person. And I love that scene towards the end of the episode when the, they're meeting the sheikh and his daughter and she says, you know, I'm Mesa, my pronouns are she, yeah. her. And, you know, would anyone else like to share their pronouns? And and I just thought, because that in a lot of ways reminded me of my mom. Like, yeah. because my mom, you know, had certain thoughts, I think 20 years ago or something, which were, you know, which didn't make sense to me and my sister growing up. Like, it just felt like she was still stuck in the in the old country kind of way. And and she's been so flexible. And my dad, I mean, my dad maybe needed less pushing, I guess, because he's, uh, uh, I don't know, more, I don't know, he's in a different kind of place in his head. But I think with my mom, it just like we, there was a bit of hand holding here and there. And we kind of told her like, mom, like, this is, this is why this is important to these people. This is why this mm -hmm. is important to these people. And it's like a complete 180. Like she's the one educating us now. Like she'll send me links to stuff. Like, have you read about this new thing? And I'm, and and I think it's so it's actually not that hard because it feels so hard to have these conversations inside the household. And obviously this is coming up again now uh, because one of the great things that happened in the past 10 days, the positive, not great, like positive things is um, Arabs talking about um, Saha, Arabs talking about um, racism against uh against black arabs or you know black people in general it's horrific. and black people in general but even black arabs etc and i think um and everyone's saying like have conversations with your parents and i think when people hear that they can just imagine the conflict they can imagine the the dismissiveness but i think once you open that come have that conversation you actually find that it's more it's more human 
than you think it's going to be. It's more, it's easier than you think it's going to be, and it leads somewhere. Well, if you're lucky, right? Like, I think I can imagine yeah. some people having really cringe conversations, but it doesn't mean that they shouldn't have them. Yeah, I'm sure that cringe leads to a minute change in attitude. You know, like I think. It's, oh, hundred percent. Yeah. I've had to speak to my dad about a lot of. Um, I had, you know, my one of my ex-boyfriends was black and I had to have a lot of conversations with my dad. And mm. even now he makes comments and um, it's just like a lack of understanding. It's how, you know, in Egypt, they also grow up in this mindset. Like if you're a French educated, then you're elite or you're above everyone. And there's like an acceptance over there that actually makes me more sad. At least here people are speaking up there. I find that it's just a way of life. Well, and it's so, um, even just the way that they, like your khadama, like the person who works in your house, there's this system where, you know, you take their passports from them in a lot of places, like a lot of places in the Gulf, especially. Yeah, the kafala system, yeah. Yeah. It's really ingrained this kind of hierarchy of human. And it was something I really noticed as well when with my ex-boyfriend who is black um, and the kind of comments that people would would come out with, like, you're not going to marry him, you know, stuff like that. And it, it really is, um, you know, even my mom would say things sometimes that through just exposure and hanging out with him and stuff, she was like, oh, OK, I'm wrong. Like I was wrong. And there's this meme that's been that's going. That's what they need is exposure. Exactly. C carry on. Yeah. And there's this mm -hmm. meme that's been going around recently, um, which is, you know, normalize changing your opinion when you receive new information. And I think that a lot of the time people get scared because they're like, no, no, I'm not racist. Like, no, 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 I don't. I'm not a bad person, you know. And it's almost like, no, it's it's fine. We everyone has ingrained these biases in them. Like there's something I saw yesterday. It was like racism is like COVID-19 assume you have it and it's like okay so mm. let's work from this place now and let's have these conversations and let's do the reading like defending that you don't have it is just counterproductive let's just learn exactly from where, whatever point that you're at let's just keep it's learning a competition you know? exactly there's so much that I don't know and let's all just become better people together of course can I ask one last question yeah, of course. I have, I have one last question. The film Death Becomes Her came up in every interview you've given. By the way, I don't know how. Like, I guess it was it, it was in the Rolling Stones one. Oh, and then I and then I had the InStyle one. And then people started putting it in things. Like, <laughs> she watched Death Becomes Her a lot. And I'm like, what's happened? <laughs> so is that just one of those things that like spiraled and it's not really... Have like you watched it? I watched it. It was like 92 or something. I watched it, I think, when it came out. Like, it was... Yeah, it was a long time ago. Yeah. I loved that movie. Like, I don't... And, and I think it's just... it's They're so serious about it. And it's so farcical. And also, I feel it's so relevant to how women are in the Middle East. I think if there was an Arab version of these women not wanting to age and then finding <laughs> someone who gives them a potion, they would all jump on that and how funny it would be if they all just destruct like after like, oh my god i need to watch this movie i've never seen oh, it oh watch it watch it oh that becomes really good okay i have a question from la my last questions from what you've just said um so how do you deal so obviously we spoke about Aib and i mean sorry we spoke about Ayn and um this idea of like social media and you're quite private and all of that so how do you sort of reconcile i suppose or how do you make it okay comfortable for yourself to to 
you know, these interviews are like taking all these facts about your life and sharing all these things. And, you know, obviously you're increasingly, I suppose, in the public um, eye. How does that feel considering, you know, Ayn and all of that and your beliefs and your fears? I'm very fine sharing information about myself, like when it comes to my beliefs or my thoughts and where I'm at right now. Um, and it's almost like the Ayn for me is a visual thing. So I just don't post a lot that I, and I hate that because it's not something that I want to be uh, held hostage to, but it almost just, it really, as, as the dad says in the show, it almost just humbles you. And it helps me maintain a level of neutrality mm -hmm. that when something is going really well, I don't need to be crazy and like so excited about it. And when something's shit, I also don't need to think it's the end of the world. And I don't need to, sometimes I, I have to ask myself when I want to post something, why do you want to post this yeah. right now? What, you just like how you look? I get annoyed when people are, like girls, look so stunning and the story is clearly about themselves and they're like oh i dropped water on the floor <laughs> i'm like man just say it's about you just say i'm having a good uh, a good looking day today like be like honest about where you're at like you don't have to thirst trap with water on the floor it's just i've probably done a few of those though, <laughs> no but see that bothers me and it doesn't need to i think i think as humans we're inherently like faulted and not perfect and just share those things Today, I want some extra validation. Yeah. So I'm posting this photo of me. I think I look nice. The sun's hitting me well. Um, that's where I'm at. Like, I find that so charming to be so honest about where you're at. Yeah. And because uh, why try to hide it? We all have it, you know. Felt, felt and, cute and might so, delete later. That's the, you know. I don't even know these things. Like, there are all these, like, pop culture, like, ways <laughs> to say things now. Like, I don't even, I'm not even, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, like, you want to post it because just post it i think sometimes i just like i ask myself that because i enjoy keeping my ego in check because it's easy to get inflated in the work that i do and um and there's no point i find doctors more honorable than actors but for some reason we're the ones getting all the pr and so yeah i think i just manage how much i'm sharing and why i'm sharing it the thing is i like it when other people post and if it's not like their families, like I, I'm never like, oh, they're showing off. Yeah. I, I wouldn't downplay like the importance of, of what you do just for the very simple reason that there's there is a 12 year old girl somewhere today who's looking at you on screen and going like, yeah, OK, like I can be like she's amazing and I could be that, you know, and 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 I think go out and do it. <laughs> yeah, do it. <laughs> I, I don't think any twelve year old girls are listening to this, but yeah, like you know, they should tell people should tell their younger sisters to go do their their thing. Okay, I love that. Should we do some highlight low light? I just want to say that it's been over an hour, so we've been having a lot of fun. We've been having a lot of fun. I could keep <laughs> chatting as well, but I think in the interest know. of you know, um, but okay, shall we assume that everyone's low light is is. Is what's happening like in the US? The same. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. and like just yeah. in the yeah. world, it's all a bit much. Yeah, it's a low light, but it's also a highlight in the sense of I'm so excited to see how we come out on the other end. It does feel different as well. Like the fact, I mean, Alia, you wrote about this, like the fact that it's one of the biggest civil rights movements globally ever. It does feel like a pivotal moment where there's a real opportunity to 
properly change some things, change mindsets, change laws, change the systemic stuff, change the interpersonal stuff. It it Anarchy! really feels <laughs> Anarchy, no, it's like on the contrary. In a good way. Let's disrupt let's disrupt all the systems. Am I wrong? But like in the Middle East, a lot of times when there are protests, it just feels like this act of um uprisal or 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 people are showing how resilient they are whereas here with protesting changes are being made and and perhaps it's because it's a democracy right but when they're you know opening cases again and mm. you're, you're like whoa this shit works <laughs> and that's why i think yeah. my dad comes to me sometimes and it's like well, how long are these protests gonna go for and i'm like wow you just have such a different view of it because in the middle east people don't have that voice you know so yeah. i think it's necessary to also see how here this is going to make a change sure yeah, it's the di- direct action i mean you know the 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 things are changing already like people are getting convictions that would never would have happened uh you know it's it's already visibly changed things i mean i don't know well, well i'm i'm optimistic i think it's going to be a tough road even today like i was looking in lebanon like there was just a kind of they rekindled the revolution that kind of fell apart because of COVID-19 and everyone being at home and and lockdown. So today everyone kind of, I think, even pushed by what they've seen in the US, we're like, okay, it's time to go back in the, to the mm-hmm. street, even though it's a different fight. But it, it kind of pushes everyone to see themselves in other movements. To have faith that their voice matters. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, inshallah, honestly, that's a, it's a long road and we, we all will walk hand in hand. Should we end on some highlight highlights? I think that's our highlight. Isn't that our I highlight? I wanted to say that I'm learning how to read Arabic Woo! and I'm really, thank you, May. That's exactly what I wanted. <laughs> and I'm really happy about it. Like, I'm, do you guys know how to read Arabic? You do. Yeah. Lots of nods. Yeah. Well, I'm a disappointment. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm getting better. Like, I mean... I just wrote a show in Arabic, so I had to learn how to like get That's better amazing. quickly. I'm but, so yeah. excited to watch it. Yes, me too. <laughs> me three. They literally did it in like six weeks, May. It's been insane. For real. I, I mean, over Corona. Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, we came up with the... On April 7th, we decided that we should have an idea. Like, that's what happened. And we're delivering... Like the first episode airs uh, mid June, like in a in a week, basically. Wow! 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 So you're changing the way we we do things because it's like if 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 something can be created that fast, there's no excuse for anyone not to be creating. It's definitely a challenge, and it's definitely definitely something I would rather work normally. We have now. high expectations. <laughs> like, I'm telling you from now, I don't next, care if it's Corona. <laughs> next time, I want six months, not six weeks, to do this. But you know, like, uh, but you know. So, but I'm very happy it's happened. Yeah, so that's so that's that's a, that sounds like a great highlight. There you go. Me. Highlight for me, there are several. I just found a place in LA, which I'm really excited. Oh, I'm true. settling down after three years of being sort of a nomad, and then um, I'm continuing with my Spanish lessons. Nice, amazing, and. Um, Every half hour. Uh, so it's, yeah, that's a lot. Every half hour, there's one, and every hour, there is the time. The half hours need the validation, too, guys. Amazing. I actually love this. I might have to buy one because I set 40 minute <laughs> alarms on my laptop. You do? Yeah. 
For what though? Just for like to to regiment my like day. Get a cuckoo clock. Yeah, I think that well, might be better. Your answer has been answered. Yeah, your this, question, this, your need, this if is, you will, this makes a lot of sense. It's all come together now. I also watched Normal People, which I loved. Oh my god, I saw you talk about that nonstop. I'm literally scared to watch that. I'm like, I don't want to like be a masochist and just see people falling in love and having sex when I'm in isolation by myself. It sounds horrible. <laughs> I watched it with my dad, babe. That's how desperate we were. That's how desperate we were. I know it was a new level of our of our friendship. Nasi, what's your recommendation? Everyone has to go watch season two of Rami. Of course. Woo! Rami oh, I love two. how I didn't even say that. Like, I forget I'm on the show. No, but this is a given. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't worry. Like, this whole thing is is telling people to watch Rami. We'll do that for you. I think another thing that I found, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of people on Instagram and I've, I've kind of stuck to Instagram actually throughout this whole thing because uh, Twitter is just too much for my brain at the moment. But um, uh, one thing I've been loving is people send you know sharing reading lists and things to watch and stuff. And I've been recommending Thirteenth by Ava DuVernay, which came out I think 2016. And that because you know if you really want to understand, because you know we tend to say oh racism, we think racism is the same everywhere, which in some ways it is, but in some ways it really isn't. Like the U.S.'s experience of of, of racism is really rooted in the fa- foundational you know, sin of, of America. And uh, I think that film truly explains so much and like unlocked a lot of things in my brain about understanding. I was going to say understanding the experience. I can never understand the experience, but st- started educating me in terms of like what really, what really is happening and has happened for centuries. So I think anyone who's looking for a starting point, to uh, start educating themselves about the specificities of America's race relations go watch 13th on netflix yeah uh i would to add to that i would recommend um and actually i've heard that it's like sold out in like a lot of places but i would highly recommend reading akala's natives um which is amazing and actually my mom's reading it at the moment and she keeps texting me like oh my god i had no idea and it's been really cool to kind of see her yeah it's really good and he's 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 a british um rapper and like genius um so it's it's very rooted in sort of the british experience which i think is important because yeah america you know next level things but actually learned a lot from the uk and the uk has its own you know deep deep systemic issues and you know all of that we've hit 90 minutes we're almost we're two minutes away from the next cuckoo clock uh warning <laughs> Uh, but like uh uh so we've obviously had a great chat so we can be very satisfied and leave it here i think like we could i could talk for hours to be honest about with you and about all of this stuff and i think i i personally can't wait to see what comes next i know you're kind of holding your cards uh close to your chest for the moment but like i foresee like a ton of stuff happening to for you uh in the future knock on wood knock on wood everyone (laughs) alia and i are gonna work together so that's already yeah yeah fantastic get me involved get me involved i want to be involved actually we're all working together i'm actually gonna whatsapp you after this